Hi, welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast, episode 158. Uh, my name is Luke, and I run this podcast with my friend and business partner, Phil. And we are, uh, we've been living in China for a long time. We run a course called the Mandarin Blueprint Method. And this is basically our way of uh, responding more personally to people on our forum and on our uh, platform. Uh, we've got lots of interesting emails and comments every week. Not all of them we can share because some people like to uh, just don't want to share what they 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 send to us. But generally, um, we have lots of cool comments from people um, that are using the course to. I don't like to use this word very often, <laughs> but essentially hack Chinese. Um, there's a lot of different techniques involved in the Mandarin Blueprint method that make the whole process of learning so much easier learning Chinese because the hardest part about learning Chinese is starting and learning to read. So uh, we're actually going to touch on this a few times today. There's a couple of messages from some uh, members all about this general process. Uh, and there's a lot of points during uh, during learning with the Mandarin Blueprint Method that you kind of have what we call breakthroughs. Um, and breakthroughs come from uh, learning to read, learning the pronunciation, building a solid foundation. That's how, so basically spending a little bit of extra time up front with the language, uh, it pays off huge dividends later on. When I say later on, I don't mean years later, I mean weeks and months later. Um, so let's get into the first message and, I'll, and you'll start to see what I'm talking about. So the first message here is from Annette. She says, hi, Phil and Luke. All of a sudden, it said level 13 complete. The video is telling us that this is the hardest it will be and that it will only get easier are so encouraging. Now I am even more eager to get to the paragraphs and more text to read. So let me give you some context for this. Uh, in case you're not on the course or you've you've barely heard of us. Um, so there are 57 levels currently in the Mandarin Blueprint Method. And that will get you from zero or beginner level. Uh, once you've completed level 57, that is uh, levels 37 to 57, those 20 levels are the intermediate course. So you will be able to read, understand, and even write by hand um, uh, 1,531, or is it just 1,530? Maybe it's, maybe it's a bit more than that now, actually. I think we've added a few uh, since the HSK update, so I'm all at 1,560 or 70 uh, common Chinese characters and well over 4,000 words. I believe about 4,500 now. We're constantly updating the course, by the way. <laughs> That's why it, it, these numbers do fluctuate, but they only go up. Um, and that will get you to 94% of Chinese by coverage. So that means, on average, if you look at any piece of text or listen to any piece of text in uh, Chinese, you'll be able to understand 94% of the characters which you see. Does that mean you're able to read a physics textbook in Chinese? Probably not. Uh, I probably couldn't uh, read one in English. <laughs> so um, it's, it's just an average, of course. Um, but that gives you a really solid foundation. Uh, and we're we're going to be expanding the course, or more than doubling the size of the course towards the end of this year, uh, and everything's on schedule to do that. So that's going to get you to three thousand, 
well over 3,000 characters, let's just say that. And uh, I think over 10,000 words, at least 7,000 words. No, 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 sorry. <laughs> so many numbers. Uh, and yeah, I think it's, it's closer to 12,000. Yeah, closer to 12,000 words. Uh, by the time you finish that, which will get you to, I mean, pretty much native level. Uh, that's, again, it depends on what kind of native you're talking to. You're talking to a native uh, corner shop assistant or a native builder, or you're talking to a native scholar, probably not a native scholar. Um, but a native speaker knows on average three to 5,000 characters. So that's basically what the, the Mandarin method does. It gets you that foundation, gets you to reading and, and understanding through listening, builds you that uh, foundation there. And when you get to level 13, like Annette, Annette has done, that's the first time you start to read Chinese sentences without pinyin or translation. And at this point, you only know about 100 characters. And that's the, the reason we make that possible. How we make that possible is um, by feeding you content you can understand. So we know which characters you've learned at that point, and then we just we get our native writers to write, uh, write coherent sentences that uh, are made up of those characters. So once you get to level 13, um, you've built up all these characters and words, and we, we sort of uh, you sort of level up. You have that breakthrough. We send you, um, we send you all of the sentences based on the words and characters that you've learned. It's a big list of them, uh, and it's it's just a great feeling. I love reading the comments on that lesson because people are like holy expletive. <laughs> I can read Chinese. It's awesome. So Anna is sort of getting at that point now, and it's it's, it's great. So, uh, and then of course, Annette mentions now even more eager to get to the paragraphs, and uh, and more text to read. Uh, so that after sentences, a few levels later in phase four, we start feeding you paragraphs of text, long form content articles about all sorts of different topics, and then phase five sort of level. Um, 40-odd, hey, I can't remember myself now, level 30 to 36, that sort of area, you get full stories. And then intermediate is all just stories and f much longer form content, which you can all understand, of course. So Annette says, reading and understanding is, of course, much easier than trying to keep up with Annie or Jerry. Those are our, uh, a couple of our native speakers that we have to do the audio for us when shadowing. So shadowing is uh, where you listen and you speak along with the audio. Uh, so it's a great technique that we recommend you try. You can also read along as well to make it even easier. I start out with them and then lose them as I end up sounding like their echo, but it's all good. I look at the sentences as additional pronunciation practice, a fantastic curriculum you've developed. Thank you very much. In one of the video segments, Phil talks about the difference between word by word and meaning translation. As a former business translator, I agree with you that you always want to translate so that the understanding, the meaning and the sentiment are conveyed correctly. Word by word never works. I always give the English, it's raining cats and dogs as an example. It doesn't work in any other language I know if you translate the actual words and not the meaning. Apple not too long ago came out with their translator app for iPhones and I put it to the test with a German phrase 
And sure enough, the translation was word by word, which was rather disappointing. I think that is what most people expect from translating, that it is something that is and can be done word by word without understanding that that is not the case unless you have extremely simple sentences. And if you're, yeah, with, with Chinese, you have to have simple sentences for word for word translation because uh, the grammar starts to get very different when you have longer sentences. So, yeah, so another thing about the translation word for word versus meaning, it's 100%. That's sort of we stick to the meaning sort of philosophy. Um, and a lot of people who are new to language learning don't quite understand that, understandably. And they're like, wait a minute, this word means this, but why, did, why didn't you say that in English? Where's, the, where's that in the translation? And it's like, well, if we said that, then it would, it would just cause more questions. It would, it, so, for example, do you know what it reminds me of is, if you ever see the movie The Departed, Scorsese film where uh, Jack Nicholson and his gang are sort of meeting a Chinese gang and everyone's got guns and stuff and the Chinese are speaking I believe they're Chinese I can't remember it's been so many years since I've seen it but I believe it's Chinese they're speaking Chinese with all these machine guns and trying to be hardcore and badass and stuff and then the Chinese translator with Jack Nicholson doesn't translate what they say he translates the meaning right so and, and even further he's just awesome he just goes, yeah, these guys, uh, these guys have got nothing. Uh, you know, he doesn't even translate what the guy said. He basically just says, uh, I can't remember exactly, but he's just like, yeah, he's, these guys are just showing, showing their guns. They, they don't know anything. Uh, and uh, they've said, and he knows that because of not just what the guy's saying, but how the guy's saying it. And, um, and uh, yeah, so that's the value of having a translator and that's the value of truly learning the language <laughs> so you don't need a translator um, so uh, people have actually uh, mentioned to us before it's like aren't you worried about these little translation devices um, that people put in their ears or like just hold people's mouths and it translates automatically and uh, the answer is definitely 100 percent no <laughs> i'm not worried about that even if they become really cool um, and really really high level and they start to translate the meaning much better or even like a native speaker there's still nothing that compares to uh, if you're in a business meeting not needing that you know so it's like yeah well that guy he has a translator app do you know what I don't need it because I spent years months months years learning your language to a really high level so uh, if I had the choice between those two, I think that guy that doesn't need the translator is going to get a big advantage if it comes to a negotiation or getting that person as a customer. Even then, there are words in one language that do not exist in another, and you need more explanatory words to translate properly or refer to something that is similar. But of course, it will not be the same. The other challenge is that two languages never have the same number of words. If you translate from a language that has fewer words than the one that you translate into, then that alone provides additional challenges and vice versa. Most people learning a foreign language for the first time do not realize these things. Yeah, there's a really interesting thing to look up is, uh, I, you know, just Google something like words that do not exist in English that exist in other languages. And there's all these really, uh, a single word could mean, you know, two sentences in English. Um, there's certain Chinese words as well. You can look it up for Chinese. Um, 
words like uh, even words that feel like they are the same or they have an English equivalent like jiao which means add oil um, and that if you think about it it sounds like there is a, an equivalent in English but there isn't really not that it gives that exact same sentiment you know very interesting so next is uh, yeah, she, she continues yesterday I left a goodbye message on the Duolingo Chinese forum which I have not gone back to since late July when I started your free trial. Of course, I mentioned that I had found a much better learning path in Mandarin Blueprint, including your website link. Well, you know, don't want to make enemies. <laughs> don't want Duolingo people looking up. Uh, but uh, no, it's fine. It's, that's awesome. Thank you very much. I, uh, you know, Duolingo is a huge company and um, the only way this, uh, currently that we can compete with a company that big uh, is, you know, with with uh, testimonials, word of mouth, and things like that. So I really, really appreciate that, Annette. And thanks for your insight on translation. I think it's really valuable um, because that is a there's a constant challenge that we have um, trying to trying to uh, translate word by word, but also the meaning at the same time, just to sort of please both groups of people. Um, and of course, we often, you can never please everyone, right? And you never, so it's, 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 it's a challenge. Um, so I'm glad that uh, someone experienced like yourself has, has said this, so that means I can sort of rest easy a little bit when uh, people do sort of have a problem or a misunderstanding or a complaint when it comes to our translations. Uh, so I go, like, well, look at Annette, she's an expert. And she said, uh, it's all about the meaning. So that's awesome, thank you. Next is Cindy, tone change rules. This is a part of the pronunciation mastery course. She says, I love how you can link the words together and that you're teaching it this early on. So it definitely does make a huge difference in sounding more native, at least in my opinion. Thanks guys. Yeah, so this is referring to, uh, I believe, a lesson very early on in the pronunciation course uh, relating to bu. Uh, and the tone change rule for bu is if a fourth tone follows bu, then bu becomes a second tone. So, so for example, the, I believe what the example I used was uh, hungry. Uh, uh, if you say, if you want to say I'm not hungry, you don't say wo bu. Uh, like with two fourth tones, you say second tone, fourth tone. Uh, and at the same time, you can sort of join those words together. So instead of and it's a way of sounding more native. And, if, and it's from a lot of listening practice that you pick these things up. Um, it's just like how maybe non-native speakers would say things in an odd way. Like they might say, I don't know. Instead of I don't know or uh, <laughs> just a sound, you know, which is technically wrong, right? Uh, is there a word in English for that? I don't know. I don't know. But it's correct, right? Because I'm a native speaker and we're native speakers and we say it. So there's, there's things like that, like joining words together, removing the gaps in between syllables that you can do that will make you sound a lot more native in Chinese. Um, and it's also smooth as well. It's very easy. It's not like you have to speak really fast or anything. It's just removing those gaps. And that's one of the pronunciation tips I've, I've given to a few people is um, you can slow down your speech as a whole. Um, you know, slow it down to like 70, 80%. But try and remove the gaps from in to, to make up for that. Try and remove some of the gaps in between. 
um, the words. So um, it's very common that you, for example, there's words that you know really well, or phrases. Uh, like you know, certain certain phrases that come out really quick. Um, so you'll end up saying something like, I don't know, um, uh, you know, so you, you, there's words that you know really well. But the trick is, try not to say the words you know really well, really fast. Because then when it comes to a part of the sentence where you're, you have to sort of dig deeper into your mind to come up with the words because you haven't used them very often or, you know, then um, you'll end up, the, the speed will be odd. There'll be odd speed changes in how you speak. So, um, uh, uh, and then someone will ask you a question that, like, that's basically saying, oh, I've studied for Chinese for a long time. And then someone will ask you a question that you're not used to getting asked a million times. And you have to think about it and you slow down and it causes, it can cause sort of nervousness even. So um, it's try to sort of uh, pass your speech, I think is the word. Basically just control the overall speed of how you talk, which is quite difficult to do. So instead of saying like, oh, I'm really confident about this next sentence. I, I've said this a million times. So it's like, what do you know? Yeah, no, just say, uh, so like slow it, slow it down, but not like so you sound odd, but just so you can think of the next. And also add a few like, you know, add a few sort of uh, little things in the middle of how you're, when you're, when you're speaking uh, and just basically sort of breathe and calm, calm down. And that really helps overall um, because you can, everything's just a lot more do, 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 instead of So uh, I hope that makes sense to some of you who have uh, who've been practicing speaking or been learning Chinese for a little while. Um, uh, it kind of makes sense to me anyway. <laughs> so um, yeah, so just control the overall speed. Um, and um, try and make it more of a uniform speed across your whole speech when you're when you're speaking in Chinese. Next is a uh, song. So Song's been with us for a little while, and he's also made it to level thirteen. And he says, "I started this course on the fourteenth of August because my city is in lockdown, and having just closed my laboratory in neuroscience, I wanted to occupy my time with something new." It's now five weeks, and I am so thankful that I started this course because I can now read sentences in Chinese. I look forward to daily opening up my screen daily and learning new words and sentences. Above all, I am amazed by your enthusiasm and love for the language. My Mandarin teacher is also very impressed and will now recommend you to her other students. Thank you. Awesome. We're getting uh, lots of word of mouth lately from, from people. So thank you very much for that song. Um, I, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. But there's another comment from Song, I believe this was afterwards, where he says, this is simply great. I've been using a private tutor for two years, learning pinyin only. I know the meaning of way more than 105 characters, but now that I have a systematic way of reading and writing them, and much to the delight of my teacher, now it all makes sense to me. I've reached this level in about four weeks because it has been so fun climbing every character and reclaiming what I've previously learned 
in a rational way. So this is really interesting. I had a similar process to Song, a similar experience, because I also went a long time, not two years, but I believe it was well over a year, um, maybe a year and a half or so, um, without learning characters. And I did it proudly as well. I'm not learning those characters, obviously. That's a waste of time. I know language learning. Um, <laughs> that was my attitude anyway. <laughs> and I hit a ceiling. You know, I, I would practice speaking a lot with people that I knew. Um, and so my speaking did develop and my listening here and there, of course. And, but there wasn't any regimented structure. And I certainly didn't learn how to read until way into my study. So, but it was because of all the listening practice and speaking practice I had had, and of course, spending all that time <laughs> on like Memrise and, and .com and things like that, building up this arsenal of words that wasn't really learning them properly, but it was experiencing them and putting them in my brain in some way. When I started to, it was 5,000 words, by the way, the, the then HSK 1 to 6, I, I learned all of them by looking at them repeatedly and S SRS hacking them essentially, just looking at them every day, um, <clears throat> but without learning the characters properly, you know. Um, so what happened was when I went and learned the characters, 3,000 of them, spent, you know, six months doing that, just learning the characters, um, and then another three or six months after that, reading sentences in Anki, thanks to Phil's suggestion. It was like, a, within that year, I had developed so fast. So six months learning characters, another, another few months or so, I don't remember exactly, but reading and, and uh, looking at closed delete sentences, I just, I just started, uh, I started moving so quickly through that. And my 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 level just jumped in le just leaps and bounds. I, my level went up so quickly. It was almost as if all this knowledge was just floating around in my mind. It was there, but it was all disorganized. And as soon as I learned to read and started practicing reading and listening, of course, together, everything just sort of clicked into place. And yeah, it was it was a great feeling. And that's kind of what Song, I think, is going through right now. So, yeah, I've got this knowledge. I've, I recognize this character, but I don't know this character. So the difference between knowing someone on the street and actually having a conversation with them, you know. So um, it's an awesome thing to see. Well done. And I look forward to seeing how else, what else we're going to hear from regarding Song and his progress. So thank you very much. This next one is from Christine, and she's a long-term long time, long term, long time uh, member, and she's completed the current curriculum. So she got through level 57, and she's given some more very, very valuable feedback. If you go on our podcast section on our website, you can search for the name Christine, and you'll find a, a, two interviews with her, one with her by herself, and one with her and Rebecca, who's Rebecca uh, Weeble, who's also finished uh, the course. So Christine and Rebecca both gave some great feedback and since uh, regarding um, the intermediate level. Uh, so when it comes to the earlier level, so many people get through the earlier levels like in the foundation and it's, we get so much quick feedback and have done over the years or a couple of years since we've been running the course um, that we've been able to make tweaks and act on this feedback very quickly but generally less people make it through to the intermediate 
um, and generally people that do are just getting on with it and they don't like they're not there to be our beta testers they're not there to, to unless we ask and reach out um, it's, it's not likely we'll get much feedback right people just oh great I'm learning Chinese and they don't think to say oh you know this this here I'll uh, give a suggestion on how to improve things or my experience was blah 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 so what's great about uh, people like Christine um, and uh, there's Oscar and Jessica and, and Rebecca all these there's a, there's a few people I know by name who have given us such valuable feedback uh, actually leads us to make big changes on the course because a lot of this course, the way we've structured it, is an experiment, right? It's all an experiment, really. It's Phil and me, Phil and I, going, okay, this might work. I think this pe this person should see this particular content or unlock this content at this point. So I'll show it to them then, and oh, great, that worked. You know, people love people love that, um, and sometimes people get back and say, actually, do you know what? That didn't quite work. Try it this way. And we'll, and we'll think about it. And if more than one person starts to say the same thing, then we'll think about it more. And then we'll, we'll use our own sort of critical thinking about it. And then we'll end up often making big changes as long as it makes sense, you know. And, uh, and we've also been sort of considering it ourselves. We'll, we'll make those changes on the platform. So this is what we're about to read is an example of how much we listen to our members, basically. And um, yeah, so let's, let's just jump in and you'll, you'll see what I mean. So Christine says, so Phil asked for some feedback and thoughts about the idea to drop sentences as a compulsory item at some point in the intermediate. Feeling somewhat responsible for this move, I just want to add my ideas and experience. So yes, one of the things that we found is that people were finding the flashcard system that we, we currently use, which is Anki, which we will be replacing at some point, a bit cumbersome when it comes to when you get to a higher level because there's always a point where you're going to drop flashcards completely or almost completely right uh, for your general learning day to day uh, and we don't know exactly when that happens we made some guesses that it would happen after the intermediate sort of in the advanced expansion things like that that's why we're not we're not forcing anyone to review any sentence cards after the intermediate course anyway because i know from experience that there was a point where Anki sentences saved me. I had a breakthrough because of Anki sentences. But then there was also a point after that, some months after that, where I was like, oh, there's so many sentences. <laughs> I'd rather just read and listen, you know, read books, listen to podcasts, make notes, sure. Make flashcards sometimes, sure. But I don't need to, a sentence for every time I want to learn a new word because there's, it's just the, the, the payoff it becomes much less. There's a diminishing law of returns when it comes to that. Uh, but pinpointing exactly where, it's, it's tough, right? Because it's, it's subjective and we need feedback like what we're getting here uh, to know when to drop sentences. Uh, and it looks like instead of after the intermediate, it's sometime during the intermediate we kind of need to at least not drop sentences, but make them non-compulsory. Say, oh, they're just optional. Okay, so you can you can review this sentence if you want. Just read them in the lesson description, and unlock uh, unlock certain sentences. We sort of did this already with certain required and non-required sentences, but even then, it's like making any of them required 
during the intermediate course may not be right, you know? So let's have a look. Christine says, I never liked the close delete format. So for those of you that don't know, close delete is where you delete or you cover up one character or more within a sentence in order to guess what the meaning is. And the reason why we do that is it gives an extra strain on you uh, in a good way. Like, so you have to actually really look at the context of the sentence to guess what's missing. But it does slow you down and it, it does take more energy. But we found, we found that it works so well for solidifying your knowledge of that word and grammar. Hence why it's, it's every sentence in our flashcards is all closed delete, right? So anyway, Christine says, this influenced me to an extent I stopped doing the closed delete format quite early in intermediate around level 40. I think, but I replaced this with variously creating my own vocab cards, starting with level 37, turning the sentences into reading, listening only, marking myself on how well I felt I understood the sentence or listened to it. Yeah, see, we weren't really sure about doing that. We, Phil and I talked about that many times. Uh, oh, should we just drop the close delete? But it's kind of like, how do people... I, I have a feeling people would just end up clicking through, and that's based on my personal experience. That's what I used to do. So I think if people weren't forced to look and guess what the missing character was, I feel like they just sort of skip through. You know, eventually they sort of glaze over and, oh, I've got 50 left, I've got to go, but I've got to finish my cards. Uh, okay, read, read, and sort of, sort of be a bit more blasé with it. Um, so that was my concern. That's why we never bothered doing it, I think. Um, but then that's, my, that's me, right? Not everyone is me. Um, so, so yeah, and also I, I, like, I love the idea of uh, turning it into listening practice. So with all the sentences, this is another thing that we've already done, um, thanks to a couple of different suggestions from other members, which is get all the audio for all the sentences and just put it into audio files for listening practice. So one after the other, clearly labeled, you know, so you can see what you're, what you're listening to. Um, but, um, that's something that we have done as well. And then, and finally, at level 50, dropping the vocab cards and the sentence cards in all formats and just focus on characters. However, from level 50 to 57, I did read sentences as they came up in the course. So characters become much more important and sentences become much less important as you get to a higher level, right? Because that makes complete sense, doesn't it? Because once you get to a higher level, you've got a foundation. You can read and understand Chinese by the time you get to level 40, for sure. Level 40, level 50. And the focus needs to be more on long-form, interesting, engaging content, preferably as close to native content as you can. It's still a bit tough native content at that level, but you then want to, um, yeah, you want to basically drop individual sentence cards at that point and just use the natural SRS, which is listening and reading to stuff. So uh, she goes on, she says, in defense of the sentences and how I am using them, I just want to add the following. The sentences are actually really, really valuable resource. They give us a chance to practice listening as well as to learn new vocabulary. I just don't like the Anki and Close Delete format. If we didn't have these sentences, we would have to, we would have had to do our own sentence mining for sample sentences. By the way, sentence mining is kind of what it sounds like. You know, like you want to learn a word, so you go into like a sentence warehouse, is what I call them, like Line Dict or a Baidu slash D-I-C-T. Um, and you look for a sentence that contains that word that you understand. But of course, the lower your level, the harder that is. And that's the magic of Mandarin Blueprint. So even with 100 characters in your arsenal, which is nothing, basically, very, very few in terms of 
you know, traditional learning. But with our course, it's like you've got 100 characters, here's 100 sentences you can read to learn these new words that you're coming up with. And of course, the, the, the more characters you build up, the easier it is to find these sentences and, and the easier it is for us to write them in the, in the, in the long form content because the more you know. That's why characters become so important when you get to intermediate, so much even more important. He's like, I just want to get to 3,000 characters so I can start at least understanding native uh, written and content, you know? So I get that feeling 100%. Um, and yeah, let's just finish this point here and I'll continue. So obviously the advantage of doing sentence mining is that the sentences mean a lot more to you if you've found them yourself. So by all means, if you want to go that route, then do it. Just keep in mind, you need to, you need to find sentences that not only use the characters you are learning at that point, or have learned up to that point, Luke and Phil have already done the heavy lifting for us in this regard. Yeah, you need to know what you're reading. You need to be able to read. If a sentence, you find a sentence, oh, I want to learn this, this word, you find a sentence that contains three other words with a bunch of characters you don't know, that sentence is almost useless because it's going to take so much studying, like actual like conscious learning in order to be able to understand that sentence. So it's sort of a self-defeating thing. So reading practice is the second point. You need to get reading practice. And one way to do this is using characters you know is by using the sentences. And point three, you can use the sentence in the form of MP3s that were made available instead of using them in Anki. In this way, you are not tied to the Anki burden. You can also choose to only do this after you have completed the intermediate course. So on this note, this is what I'm doing to catch up all those lost vocabulary by not doing the sentences for later levels, which is basically listening to the sentences in MP3 format um, and reading and listening to longer form content. I'm having dedicated listening practice sessions with these sentences starting from level 45 and working my way through them. This includes active listening to make sure that I am now learning the vocab that goes along with the sentences and then moving each level into a should know playlist that I listen to semi-passively. I keep on reviewing these sentences and, and to reinforce the vocab. Obviously, everyone has a different approach and a different way of working, so this might not be applicable to everyone, but I just wanted to give my perspective Apologies for the long post. No, it's it's very valuable. So it's uh, this is the kind of thing we don't. By the way, we don't just listen to um, you know we don't just like listen to a post and then go oh okay and then just go and change the entire course. It only uh, we only do that when it's first of all something that either Phil or myself have really strongly considered ourselves. Um, that's like one point and that, oh, like that person that has, has used the course for hundreds of hours also wants that change okay I'll, I'll consider definitely doing it at some point or if we get several people all spend a lot of time with the course all have the same idea same same change like hmm, even if we never thought of it before we're like okay well we need to do something about this right so what we're going to probably do yeah, so what we're going to probably do is make uh, make a video at the beginning of the intermediate course. It's like, okay, guys, you've got you've built your foundation now. You can read and understand Chinese at this point, just at the beginning of the course. And at some point, the sentences, sentence cards are going to become uh, cumbersome for you, uh, and it's going to be more worth, it's more bang for your buck to just read and listen to the long form content that we provide you instead of the individual sentences. But what we'll do is we'll still keep sentences throughout the entire course, but make them more optional. So make all of them optional. Another thing that I want to consider doing as well, 
thanks to this, is I want to consider getting rid of closed deletes or creating two versions, like a closed delete and a non-closed delete version. Uh, one, one that's just the sentences or like just the, we already do just the audio by itself, so why not just the sentences without closed deletes and just the written sentences with audio that you can download. So there's like three different types of flashcards. Sorry, that would be two different types of flashcards. The audio files are just audio files, and then there's a closed delete and non-closed delete. Um, and you can sort of switch that on and off whenever you like. That would be ideal. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll, we'll definitely uh, look into that. And of course, for the advanced course and the upper intermediate that we're currently building, um, we're just going to have sentences in the descriptions only. And that's going to be a lot more than enough for a lot of people. Uh, especially for the more simple words, you know, like nouns and things like that. So, in fact, we don't really need sentences at all for those. We just have uh, compound word cards, which, by the way, it's, uh, Christine mentioned she dropped those. Oh, sorry, she brought those back. So we dropped those in the intermediate course, like individual flashcards for learning individual words, because what you can actually do is you, you can combine them. This is what I did for many years. You know, I was not say many years, <laughs> like... Uh, at least a couple of years while I was reviewing sentence flashcards in my Anki, um, I would <clears throat> I would just add, oh, I've got a sentence with two words that I want to learn. Great. I'll add one image that sums up the whole sentence, or I'll add an individual, two individual images that rep that connect my like to my mnemonic connection to those those words. Or at least one word. Um, and that would be absolutely fine. So that's what you can actually do as well, Christine. You don't need to bring the cards back. You can just review the sentence flashcards, if you like, and then just put an image into the sentence uh, to, to help you recall that word. So that's just an idea. But yeah, thanks very much. Um, we're always changing. We're always developing and building it. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's definitely a direction that we'd like to go in. Uh, we're a bit clear on that. We're still, it's still going to take some time to make these changes, but and a lot of meetings between me and Phil. <laughs> but we'll get there, thanks to thanks to your uh, thanks to feedback like this. Another point here from Cindy. She says, "I've watched a lot of Chinese dramas and had quite a bit of interaction with Chinese customers. So even before knowing these tone change rules, I've already used it without realizing. I think that's what works for me: comprehensible input and shadowing." Oftentimes, I don't know what grammar rules are and what terms like preposition and insert other complicated grammar term here is. But when I see examples of it, hear it in its context and shadow it, it becomes more natural to me. And it will also end up picking up all these grammar points without realizing. I think that's the, the beauty of language acquisition taught by this method. Thanks, guys. Yeah, what you're describing is just how you learned your native language, right? Except we're, we're adults, so we have the, we're not just like new people. So we have the advantage of uh, developed brains that we can actually learn to read immediately instead of having to wait like three years before we can start reading properly. Um, we can just read almost straight away or like within, <coughs> with Mandarin Blueprint, within like a few weeks. Um, and you start consuming the language and you'll naturally pick it up. Yes, and that's the difference between learning and acquisition. Okay, and that's a key difference to remember uh, when it, when, if you want to learn any language. Learning how a grammar rule works will not mean that you'll be able to use that grammar naturally. It just means you know how it works. Um, yeah, if you want to actually understand the grammar and use it, then you need to consume it. This next question kind of relates to it. 
to that point from Merko. He says, Dao Wu Yuan. It's a sentence for uh, Dao, right? It's a sentence that you unlock. And he just says three third tones in a row. And this looks really scary, right? It's like, I just, but I, I read it just instinctively. And because I've heard multiple third tones in a row so many times, I don't need to, I don't need to think about how to say it. it just comes out, Dao Ni Wu Yuan. Johnny Wu Yuan. So what naturally then we do is like say, okay, so what did I do? And that's how it's done, right? Because I, I, you know, I'm not saying it's the only way to do it. Maybe na other native speakers, I'm not a native speaker. Maybe native speakers uh, might have different ways of pronouncing this. And I believe there's a couple of ways to handle multiple third tones, but essentially in this example, right? So I just basically treated Two two third tones together, and then and then just separate them. So instead of saying Dao Ni Wu Yuan, you can also do that. You can also do that, I believe. So Dao Ni Wu Yuan, Dao Ni Wu Yuan. So two second tones, and then the final one is the third tone. Or you can just say Dao Ni Wu Yuan, Dao Ni Wu Yuan. Right, that's also fine as well. Right? So um, uh, yeah, I do actually remember that. It's all coming back to me now. Um, there, yeah, there's two, there's, if, I, if I recall correctly, there's two ways of handling, handling multiple third tones, and that's it. Just turn everything into a second tone, or just separate them, and just pretend that they're not in a row, basically, is what native speakers tend to do. Um, so yeah, but don't worry about little things like that. If you, it's like, just like um, what Cindy said, if you, just, if you just imitate what you hear, just imitate the audio, don't try and dissect it and, and pick it apart, just imitate, imitate, imitate. Um, it's native speakers talking, so it's gonna be correct, okay? Uh, don't get me wrong, sometimes native speakers do even make tone mistakes themselves. Um, uh, but it's kind of weird, because it's like, again, like I said earlier, it's like, if a native speaker does it, it's not really wrong, it's just maybe not standard, but like, if I say, oh, you have no right to tell me that's not correct, right? Because I'm a native speaker and other native speakers do it and they understand what I'm saying, which is I don't know, right? But you can't tell me that's wrong. Do you see what I mean? So anyway, I feel like I'm rambling slightly there, so I'll just move on. That's actually the final comment for this week. So let's move on to the uh, vocab living link. So this is a section of a course where, of the, of the podcast, where we get... There's, well, let's, let's start with, once you get to phase two of the course, uh, you start to learn words, right? So you go from characters to compound words. And with characters, you, we build like minimal, uh, memory palaces and we, we really sort of, it's rather intensive at first, you know, like to, to learn these characters because it's so important and there's so much to learn. But once you know the characters, that's like the, the hard the hard part. It's not even that hard, to be honest, but it's, it's over. And then when you un then as you build your characters, you unlock compound words made up of those characters, just like you unlock sentences later, right? It's like that sort of progressive um, progression. <laughs> uh, yeah, native speaker here. Um, and so once you, un once you learn compound words, you still need to make mnemonics, like to connect and learn those words quickly, but you don't have to like do all these elaborate mnemonic uh, memory palaces. You, just, you can just sort of look at the compound word and make a connection to them uh, in some way. So based on the sound, based on the characters within it, based on the keyword, 
and it can be sort of all sorts of uh, tenuous connections there. Um, and people on the course give comments that their ideas of these connections or living links, we call them, because they're attached to your, your own life and your own life experience. Um, and uh, yeah, so here are some examples. And then a lot of these I'll read out on the podcast if I, if I really like them and I'll give my own insights as well. And then we'll cut up these clips and we'll put them into the course because there's thousands of words. There's like 4,500 words currently and there'll be another double that probably at least added on. So there's all these different you know, lessons with like just, just lessons with uh, example sentences. Why not put a video in there? And so this is your chance to get sort of into it. So basically our members not only get personal video responses from us, but often the responses will be made into part of the course, which is really cool. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone else does that. <laughs> so um, yeah, so it's sort of a win-win situation. We get more content for the course, great content, and you get a personal, more personal experience and you get to be part of a living curriculum. It's great. Uh, so the first one here is from Joe and this is just on the word hash, hash, which uh, has several very key meanings, which makes it an incredibly common word because uh, it's I, three meanings off the top of my head and all three are used so often. Um, so let's see what definition he went for. Hash is always for questions like, do you want tea? Or coffee. So, right? which one do you want? So when you're given a choice like that, I imagine this sort of action here, um, use for questions. When you use it in statements like, today I will drink tea or coffee. Right? So for, use for the statement or right so that's definitely something you could put into this um this uh word card if you were going to make a flashcard to learn this word you would sh you should probably put some sort of choice in there when um but again also if you want to learn the characters it also means still you're still talking about this Right, you're still talking, or often just shortened to hai. Right? It's just easier to say and it means the same thing. Um, so it's a bit faster just to drop the sh. Um, but again, if you break down the characters, that is sort of, I guess, the more true meaning of the word, the main meaning, if you like, because that's what the characters denote. So hai by itself, hai means st uh, still. Uh, that's probably the most common usage of that character. So um, I can you can maybe connect those two ideas. So uh, hi, so still. How can you connect still to a choice? Are you still on a on a diet? Are you still on a? Oh, someone's beeping outside. <laughs> Sorry, someone's still on a diet. Beeping at it's like seven in the morning. <laughs> so someone's still on a diet. Um, yes, yeah, so you have a choice. You have like a cake and a salad. Are you still on a diet? Which, so would you like the cake or the salad? Because those, those would be connected in that case. So I kind of like that. Um, that's a good way to sort of learn multiple uh, definitions, connect to multiple definitions, but also 
learn the cat remember the characters involved next is song on uh, vocabulary for shenti which means body and shenti broken down just means shen and shen shen and ti means body body different kinds of body but still body right but um so i wouldn't connect to the characters and neither has song he just says shanti 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 which means is it sanskrit or peace, peace, peace to your body. Well, I, there's no, I, I don't think I could think of anything better than that in terms of a, a sound mnemonic. This is perfect. And I also learned a bit of Sanskrit as well. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, I've got nothing else to add. <laughs> well done, Sol. Next is Rick on Xin, which means new. And this unlocks three new words. Xin Wen, Zui Xin, and Xin Nian. So these late, the last two words, Zui Xin and Xin Nian are just so easy. Zui Xin, which means most new, which is, means the newest. And Xin Nian, which is new year, literally. Right? And that's what it means. So yeah, I'm sure, I don't even need to give you suggestions for those. I'm sure you can easily come up with something. That, you know, Zui Xin, just come up with the latest iPhone, or the latest model of a product that you like. And then Xin Nian, someone with uh, party poppers and hungover or whatever. <laughs> so... But for Xin Wen, that's a little bit tougher. And uh, Rick leaves a comment here. That Wen in Xin Wen has an ear inside it, not a nose. And in Japanese, it means to hear or ask. And in Korean, it means hear. Presumably somewhere along the way, the meaning changed to, in Mandarin to mean smell. Why? But it has kept the original meaning of Xin Wen. Yeah, so if you actually look up Wen, just that character, Xin Wen the Wen, Look it up in Pleco, your uh, dictionary, and hit the words section, and you'll come up. With, you'll, you'll find all the words in Pleco that have that character in it, and you'll notice that tons of them, in fact, most of them, still have that meaning of hear or listen, which is the original meaning. And Japanese, Korean, a lot of other Asian languages, including even Vietnamese, are heavily influenced by Chinese and Chinese script as well, and so that's why there's that commonality there so um yeah one originally meant to listen but at some point i don't know why uh it, it got given the meaning of in the modern day to to smell okay now it used to be originally to smell in chinese was not one it was xiu, to show something but now show is used for Animals. So if a dog is sniffing, that's xiu. It's not wen. Dogs do not wen, they xiu. Okay? Uh, and if you say um, someone is xiuing, that's kind of odd now. It's like, I'm not a dog, I'm wenning. Okay? Why? No idea. <laughs> okay? It's just, that's what happened. I'm sure that there is a, there is a reason somewhere. I'm sure some uh, Chinese scholar would be able to tell you, but... That's all I know, that there definitely was a change. Next is uh, Jasmine on uh, New Vocabulary Unlocked for Yixia and Xiaowu. She says, I had two songs immediately coming to mind. One Moment in Time by Whitney Houston. So Yixia means a moment. So music is very, very effective in mnemonics, okay? So this is a great idea. And A Moment Like This by Leona Lewis. Interesting. I also thought of one more. Uh, Shania Twain. <laughs> From This Moment. And I only know that not because I listened to Shania Twain, but because I was forced to listen to it a lot as a child by my mother. Uh, <laughs> she just have it on all the time. 
and culture club as well. Oh, God. Uh, next. <laughs> oh, but I've got another little tidbit here. By the way, did you know that a moment is a medieval term, time unit of exactly 90 seconds? So one hour has 40 moments. No, I did not know that. That's incredibly interesting. Thank you for that. And that could also be a little connection as well. Next is Thomas he says, I'm currently enjoying the sea drama, Chinese drama, Handsome Siblings. A photo of the two leads from that not only covers the handsome thing, but will also remind me of the girl element too. That's really good. Yeah, Shui Yeah, I like that. And if you don't know what Handsome Siblings is, go and watch it. And then two birds with one stone, you've created a mnemonic and you've also improved your Chinese. All right. So well done, Thomas. Thank you for that. Another one here from Rick, which is on Dang and so Dang Ran and Dang Shi are the two words unlocked here. And um, if you know the meaning of uh, Dang at that time, then these two words Dang Ran or Dang Shi mean uh, a fairly straightforward. But let's let's have a look at what Rick says first. He says, "I've seen Dang to used to mean." Want to be, as in like, 我想当科学家, I want to become or be a scientist. And yeah, do you know what? Used on its own, yeah, that's probably the most common usage of it. Yeah, uh, def almost, no, definitely the most common usage of it on its own, right? Um, and if you look at it, 当然, as in common, oh, sorry, common. Uh, 当然 means uh, of course, right? And uh, 当 means essentially be and ran means it is like right so uh, you see, see this character ran look it up in pleco uh, words it's used in it's, it's always not always maybe but no not always of course but most common it's a second character in a compound word and it just basically is like a, a suffix uh, to the first character and it basically says it's like saying it's like the first character so they're saying um Dangran is basically like it's like how it is. <laughs> sorry, it's like B. Uh, so I'm sorry if I'm not being clear right now, but I'm being as clear as I can with the uh, with the English ability I have. Dangran. So that kind of does make sense in terms of of course. It is it is like how it is, of course. Uh, so then just find a find an image of uh, something that would relate to of course. I imagine some sort of a detective might say that, like elementary, my dear Watson. I, think I kind of sort of related to that idea. Um, that might work. Dang shi it's a really great word to use when you want to say at that time. Dang and it sounds com uh, formal, but it's actually not. It's actually used very commonly in speech. Um, maybe not quite as common and colloquial as nega right? But still, dang is very very common um, and literally means so this kind of we connect to Rick's idea here so he says like I want to become a scientist what do kids say I want to become an astronaut I want to become a fireman you know all these things that kids say or a soldier uh, so you can say what did you want to be when you were a kid do you remember maybe you could use that so when you what did you want to dung when you were a like at that time when you were a 
wrote, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Okay, so maybe try that. I think that would work quite well. Next, uh, Annette uh, on fa, xiangfa and kanfa. She says, easy to find an image of two people on either side of a number six or nine, each seeing it from their perspective and having an opinion idea of what it is. Yeah, that's a good one. It also reminds me of the blind people touching an elephant. Have you heard about that? It's like, uh, I think it's like three blind people saying, no, no, this elephant's really... Um, like hard and rough and he's like touching his belly like his side and the guy's like no 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 it's really furry and and, uh, and thin and he's touching his tail and the guy at the front is touching his nose uh, or his tusks you know and saying oh no no he's like he's made of bone or something you know so that's also a way of, of looking at these two meanings now they do have differences these two words and they're used in different ways but they're also very similar so what i want you to do to test yourself here is I want you to search for both of these words individually in Chinese in your Google and, and see what images come up. And then look at example sentences that we provide. And if that's not enough, provide look in Pleco and look at more example sentences. And I want you to uh, come up with your, like, figure out for yourself what are these, what's the difference between these two words, xiangfa and kanfa. Uh, very similar, but used in slightly different ways. Okay, so uh, rather than me explain to you and dissect that, Look it up yourself, and uh, that's a muscle that you want to you want to uh, develop. You know, uh, being a bit uh, independent study because you're going to need you're going to need it more and more as you go through. Right, so try that out. Finally, we have uh, our Jonathan here on uh, He says, "I've used woodworking because I did not I did woodwork at school. I wasn't brilliant at it, but I was not bad either. So, so actually." When you say not bad in English, eh, not bad, that's more like It's actually closer to haibotor. Haibotor is like, mm. it's on the positive side of okay. Let's say that. But when you say bōtō, that actually means very good or good. You know, bōtō. That means good. It doesn't mean not bad, literally. Okay, that's another thing related to what we were talking about earlier about translations, literal translations. If you translated bōtō, literally, then it would be not bad. But actually, in reality, it's like, hmm, pretty good. So what are you good at? What are you okay at? What are you not bad at? Those, those two images uh, might work well for those two words. And meitō. Meitō is a very common word to mean correct. So if someone uh, is saying something and they, they want confirmation, whether it's right or not, you can just be like, meitō. Or if you say something that, they, that you agree with, if they say something, you're like, yeah, so uh, I just get someone nodding, hmm. nodding in agreement very firmly for me talk. And I think that will work. All right, guys. Well, that is the end of today's podcast. Um, I hope you found that useful. I certainly found your insights and emails and comments useful and fun to read. So please keep those coming. And I will see you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.